Hello and welcome to the Move the Line, presented by WinBets. Download the WinBet app today. Use promo code 444. Take advantage of the risk-free $1,000 bet. Joining me here to break down the games this week, as always, Connor Allen. What's going on, buddy? Uh, not much. You know, we made, uh, at least I made a nice bounce back in the in the betting column last week. And, you know, I, I capitalized and you now owe me a round of golf and dinner. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited to, you know, take advantage of that. And I mean, maybe we can just keep rolling this into, you know, even more, maybe, maybe some more stuff on top of it. I'm, I'm pumped to just, you know, free roll myself for the whole season, if that's what you want. It's funny because like the handful of things that we bet on, they've happened to go your way. And uh, I'm yeah. glad, I'm glad for you. You need it. You need to catch some wins here and there. It's been a you know a, a rocky start, but I'm happy to happy to pay that off. We'll uh, continue with the the long lesson, kind of make you a golfer at some point here, Connor. But uh, do my best. Bringing on speaking of golf, unintentional transition here. Um, one of my favorite people in the industry, uh, a golf aficionado himself. Uh, you could find him as part of the Mayo Media Network. Uh, part of the team over at Odds Checker and his uh, Jeff Feinberg show, uh, part of the Prize Picks family. It is none other than the man himself, Jeff Feinberg. What's going on, bud? What is up, guys? Happy to join you. It's it's week five. Feels like we know these teams a little bit now, right? Like you can when you're trying to estimate on players or you're talking trades and fantasy. We're almost at the point where where you drafted a guy like doesn't matter anymore these teams have a bit of an identity and i'm sure we'll laugh in december on things you say on a week five show you know projecting long range but i don't a lot of these, you know, these teams might be what they are at this point we're gonna find out we start to have at least a little bit of someone's to your point because like you know schedule is a big thing right like who's played who we see some of these things where it's like it's hard to make ends of like the bills defensive metrics because they've been insane but they played nobody and we had it for denver going into last week until they played the ravens so like there's some of that but we can start to get a feel for it and um yeah the more data we're dealing with such small samples anyway in in football so we do our best to try to to make it work um this is again our wednesday game by game breakdowns uh we also have a friday show if you are new uh we're on Friday evenings, trying to get to the props as soon as we can to get you the best of the number. Um, you can find this and the prop show available on both YouTube and in podcast form wherever you listen. Uh, I appreciate you take the time, rate and review. Again, uh, helps that out algorithm, uh, feeds it, lets other people know that we're here and uh, continues to keep the lights on. So um, super excited for this one. Let's jump into it. We have uh, no buys yet. Buys are next week, so that it gets a little bit easier so we can jump right into it. We got a London game. Uh, we will start at the top with the Jets um, against the Falcons. Falcons three-point favorites here. Totals at 46. Uh, So first we dismantled the Euros in the Ryder Cup two weeks ago, and now we send the Jets and the Falcons to London here. Uh, This is not not our best. Um, It's a blatant F you to the fine people of Europe, though. Uh, Through four weeks, these are two of the worst defenses or offenses in the league. Defenses are not uh, much better than that, Connor. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I, I mean, this, so this Jets offense, I think actually looked serviceable. We, we talked about it on the show actually that because of who they'd played, like, you know, were we really sure? I mean, we, th- we were pretty sure that they're bad, but you know, like how bad were they? And they, sh- they proved against a, a Tennessee defense, which we, 
which we talked about is is bad, you know, like a bottom 10-ish defense at this point, um, that they looked okay and were able to put up some points. And now they draw a similar matchup here against the Falcons, uh, 28th in EPA, have let up 32, 48, 34 points, and then only 14 of the Giants in what was like, you know, a low-scoring brawl with them. So um, I think that the Jets' offense here is – I mean, the Jets are a little bit interesting here. Team total is 21, though. I mean, it's kind of about right. Uh, I mean, it's – Seems high. Anything over 20 seems high for the Jets. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I think the market is kind of already factored in a little bit of what we saw last week or, or more than enough of what we saw last week. And probably last week was the time to capitalize on the Jets. And if you really thought that, you know, their schedule kind of buoyed their stats the wrong way in their play. So I'm probably out on this one just in general. But I think that if you were able to get the hook at three and a half, I'd lean the Jets. But uh, again, betting on a team like the Jets is not really all that exciting. Not super exciting. We saw finally saw a little bit of life from Matt Ryan. He attempted and completed a pass that traveled more than 20 yards down the field last week against Washington, which was great to see. Um, average A dot up 12 and a half, which is basically at, at the point before the game started, it was 4.8 heading into that game. So that was pretty, uh, you know, Derek Carr esque of a couple of years ago. So it was good to see them try to take some shots. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Jeff? Any, any leans on this early game? I do um, have a lean. It is on the Falcons. I say that as someone who last week, like a lot of people, were actually quite high on the Jets in the spot that they were in and was one of those people excited about the number they got on that game as it cratered, and it didn't even matter because they they won outright. Uh, thought it was an opportunity for Zach Wilson to hit his over in yardage props, a buy low. If you couldn't pass on that, Tennessee secondary just thought it was an opportunity to get confidence and boy did they get some but Tennessee was kind of right for the picking they're one-dimensional in many regards with their running game as great as it is that fed right into a Jets strength and I don't know the Jets seem to have a lot of injuries on the back end missing two safeties I think this is a game where Matt Ryan and and the Falcons I'm actually more confident in continuing their upward momentum offensively that we saw last week from them in a losing effort. And uh, I think it's actually a great opportunity for Kyle Pitts, who you, you know, many could argue one of the bigger disappointments in the season. And that's probably reflective of people putting him in the hall of fame before <laughs> draft night. But uh, I, I do lean to the Falcons. It's more of a gut play on this one because I do acknowledge, I don't think the Falcons are three points better. I could make a case that there is value on the Jets, but despite that, I'm I'm going to be one of those suckers on the Falcons. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. It was it does feel like it was the right spot to get the Titans last week? Um, you know, being so one dimensional, even though they could do it, that is something that historically, even the last few years, the Jets have been pretty solid stopping the run. The Kyle Pitts stuff is weird because like some of the underlying metrics are still pretty encouraging as far as like elite tight ends go, as far as routes run snaps like it's there you'd think that at some point you know the hall of fame enshrinement ceremony would begin maybe <laughs> week five um again you would think without marcus may like someone like that like that's a bad miss for the jets in a matchup like this where you would think that they really didn't have that last week against jeff swaim or you know anthony ferkser like that could show up in a big way this week too and it feels like calvin really is on the precipice of a nice week as well. So could be a nice spot for the, for the Falcons kind of a stay away. Although come Sunday morning, having the coffee, um, you know, playing with my, my son will have been up for, you know, three hours by then. So I'll be uh rip ran ready to go. It'll be 
you know how it is, Jeff. Like, you yeah, know, yeah, no, but I, I just want to say I'm going to be in Vegas this weekend. Ooh, um, oh. so this is either like I'll be in a deep, like passed out, like <laughs> so state of unconscious that you know you're not setting the alarm for the London game. You'll know, deal with the other games and miss this one, or it's one of those I haven't even gone to bed yet. Yeah, yeah no, I mean that's it's very much in play. Time. That's hey, one of those two things for sure. Where are you staying, and where are you golfing? I'm not golfing. Uh, it's just a quick 48-hour trip, straight bender with the boys. There's no there's no time for golf. It didn't even dawn on me, Ryan, that the PGA is out there this week. Like, right. I wish I had that kicked in. Maybe I would have gone out a couple of days earlier. A lot of, like, internet friends are there just from the World Series of Poker. A lot going on, but I don't think I'm going to leave my bubble. Like, I'm just on a straight bender. <laughs> it's like my first trip in COVID. I got two kids at home. Like, mm-hmm. we're rip-roaring and and ready to go. Love it. Connor and I made the trip for week one. Same thing I did. Just a action-packed 48 hours. And we did sneak in golf, which was uh, suboptimal in yeah. the Vegas heats. But uh, <laughs> we did our best to do it. So, well, good times. All right, next, main slate on Sunday here. Uh, Green Bay on the road in Cincinnati. Cincinnati catching three and a half at home, total at 51 at win. Uh, Packers continuing to show that that week one game against the Saints was a little bit of an outlier. Won three straight now. Um, I jumped in on the pack at two and a half live last week against the Steelers, and that worked out really well. I probably should have gone heavier. Definitely just feel like this Packers team is – uh, on the come though this Jair Alexander injury is a bad one for them left last week's game with a shoulder injury do believe he's really one of the true difference makers out there um, could be a spot where you know the the Bengals and their passing offense starts to get maybe a little bit more aggressive they're also going to be without Joe Mixon it looks like we don't have that currently same thing with that Alexander we don't know as of Wednesday Wednesday practice reports are always pretty iffy but uh, some injuries to watch here uh, but Jeff what are your thoughts on this one I, I'm, this, I think is the game. I I don't know about you guys, but like just on the watchable meter, this is like the top game at one o'clock. It's not the most attractive slate, but just in terms of entertainment and quarterback play, this to me is the most attractive game on the slate. It's like the big screen game. Is that call it when you're surrounded by many TVs? And I'm, I think this is a game where people, Everyone's excited about the Bengals. They're a fun team. You like Joe Burrow. You like some of the weapons that they've cultivated. You're not really ready to believe in them. And I don't know how long range. What I, like I'm not predicting so much playoffs or anything, but I think Sunday the nar- the national narrative sp- um, just changes on the Bengals. I think they're going to win this football game. On, on Sunday, it will uh, probably be it'll be taken as the biggest win of the Burrow, uh, Zach Taylor era, and and it's just a different conversation about how good this team can be. I think they beat the Packers on Sunday. I like it, uh, Connor. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I don't have too much of a lean. I think I mean since he's coming off of a you know fairly big win after they went down four fourteen uh, zero last week. Uh, Bengals defense so far seventh in EPA through four weeks and have not allowed more than 24 points, uh, which is, you know, a, a big turnaround after last year. Um, and but on the other hand, Packers week after week one, as you said, have, have been rolling 35, 30 and 27 points so far. Um, 
and what was interesting to me last week with the Bengals, you saw that. So, you know, the whole narrative was that they were last in, in pass rate over expectation. They were running the ball when they shouldn't be, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But early on in the game, you know, before they got into that hole, like even before then, they were passing early. They were they like on the first drive, I think it was Burrow had like six or seven attempts to just one run. Uh, and so but then, you know, they kind of started to get back to their old ways, you know, midway through the game and wound up neutral and pass rate over expectation, which is still uh, you know, I think a step forward for them compared to what we've seen uh, in the past. So I don't know what we're going to see now. I think it's probably going to be a blending still of the two like run heavy concepts that they have where they run a lot of power and play action versus like just splitting everyone out wide and then Burrow just slinging it. And they kind of mix the two. And uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be game plan specific or not for me in this. That's that's going to be something they'll continue to watch. But probably, um, you know, with with Mixon banged up that they might start passing a little bit more. Yeah. And Higgins back and Alexander out like it feels like the path of least resistance for Cincinnati might be through the air. That helps a little bit because this is a, a like a low-key slow game. Like the way Cincinnati's been playing and, and uh, Green Bay, it's tough because Green Bay was slow last year, but they're just so uber efficient that it somewhat doesn't matter when you're looking at totals because, you know, Devontae Adams just doesn't really count. Like I got in on both his over on receptions and yards. Um, so I thought there was value compared to our projections here. And again, thinking that maybe – if the Bengals push the pace a little bit or start to throw, maybe it's one again, a little high tide raises all ships situation. We start to see a little bit more aggressiveness from the Packers. So I agree with Jeff though. Like I, I think the Bengals are, it's either Bengals or nothing for me, especially if you get the, the hook, I'll take it. But I think Bengals money line is very live. I've seen some pretty sharp people pretty convicted on the Packers, which is surprising to me. Alexander matters. Like he is, one of the very few, in my opinion, difference makers in the back half where you can be like, if we decide to pick him and put him on someone, like that dude's kind of out for the day. Um, they don't do that all the time, and they probably wouldn't do it against the Bengals because they are harder to stop. But like his loss is out. Alexander or Smith, I'm sorry, Zaire Smith is already out. Like they're missing a lot defensively here. So yeah, I'm kind of bullish. I know the Bengals are maybe one of those teams we kind of talked about at the top, Jeff, is that we just haven't seen a lot of who they are yet because of who they've played, but I'm at least encouraged based on what we've seen so far. So I'm with you there. Yeah, no, I mean, and I don't, I don't even take it as to picking on the Packers was on them last week. It's an AFC back to back out of conference games for them. The Bengals with the extra rest. And, you know, maybe we've seen a couple teams in the AFC, not live up to preseason expectations, you know, that people thought would be in it deep. The dolphins come to mind, but for everyone that sort of fails to meet our expectations, someone's going to rise. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm actually more confident in the staying power of, like, the Bengals than, say, the Raiders. But that's just me. That's just me. I agree with that, too. All right, next, uh, Tennessee on the road against Jacksonville. Uh, Jags <laughs> catching four and a half at home. Total 48 and a half. Uh, obviously an interesting week for Jacksonville. Um I am not here to judge a man and how he handles his downtime. I didn't see the grandkids in the video, though, which is interesting. <laughs> maybe they were holding the camera. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe they're somewhere else. But uh, obviously the locker room issues there. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Again, we don't really know what Tennessee is like. Um, there was A.J. Brown returned to practice today, I think, in limited fashion. We didn't have Julio Jones. Uh, that matters. We have G- DJ Chark out for Jacksonville, uh, 40 and a half seems like a lot, Jeff. Um, do you have any leans on this game? Uh, oh, sorry, 40 and a half total. 
40 and a half. Yeah. You know, uh, 48 and a half. I can make the case it's a lot like last week, though. Right? I mean, Zach Wilson was able to get confidence going against against the, the, the Titans, and I would feel much the same way against, um, you know, for Trevor Lawrence. It does feel like a really awkward situation with this really weird, you know, narrative now around Jacksonville, and it's be it's like a national story and urban watch. And you know, I've seen him as short minus one fifty. He doesn't survive the season. Oof. Like I was sort of watching the talking heads going at it the last couple of days, and they're like so confident he doesn't survive the season. And, you know, their confidence makes me like, like, okay, maybe like these guys know more than anybody. So I'll go look to bet it. And I see it's like minus 150. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm not betting that. Like if he, like, you know, if they, he misses it, then what, if I miss winning the bet, whatever, I'm not going to cry over missing a minus one, 150. So such an awkward, awkward situation. It's Titans or nothing, but I would make the case because of the story, it's nothing for me. Because it does seem like the Titans might be the most public 1 p.m. side on Sunday. Because nobody wants to bet Jacksonville. They just watch football news and they follow the league. And no one wants to bet on the side of a lost locker room and a coach that doesn't seem to care or give a shit. Yeah, I have nothing on it right now as far as sides or totals, Connor. Um, 48 and a half, though, just because it, it felt high. But I, again, I can't pull the trigger because even though both defenses are terrible, um, you know, both offenses can leave a lot to be desired, too. But again, maybe if Tennessee gets a little healthy, you know, a big dog can do, he can flip it. Um, and I just, I hate, I hate taking unders. Uh, it's the most miserable experience watching a football game. Connor, do you have any thoughts on uh, on this matchup? I, I like what Jeff said. I think that it is a pretty similar spot. I also thought that Trevor Lawrence is starting to kind of uh, look a little bit better than what he has been in the first few weeks. Um, and I think this is a great, like, not necessarily get right spot, but, um, you know, kind of in, in a sense, like kind of find this groove even more. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not sure that I'm bold enough to take Jags money line, but you're finding some, you're seeing some four and a halfs out there. Uh, I think that them, you know, losing a game, the game by three is more than reasonable. I think this is kind of like a gross, like, Close your eyes, maybe don't watch the game, and just bet the bet the number four and a half here, uh, because I, you know, with with the injuries for Tennessee and how they match up, like I think that Lawrence is good enough to keep it close. Would you not just feel better betting maybe like singling out a couple Lawrence props and they can still lose the game? Probably, yeah. That, I mean, that's yeah, because I just like, I have no faith in their are, defense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, completions, yards, I, I like mm-hmm. something. Um, just invest in him in, in some way because. I have a hard time believing he won't do even more than Zach Wilson did, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah. last week, highest adjusted completion percentage for him, highest yards per attempt. I uh, use his legs more than we've seen in the past. So maybe, uh, you know, we're rushing over, which is nice. I know sometimes we like to get in on those quarterback rushing overs. Could be interesting. I did get in on a prop here already, too, on LaVisca Chenault on both his receptions and yards. Um it was really interesting to see last week. He basically took over the yeah. the DJ Chark, I think, route tree. So he saw a 32% target share last week, which is a nice bump. But he also had more than a double A dot uh, based on his, his season average so far, which is really nice to see. So Tavon Austin slid in basically to the, I guess you would say that's the Chenault role. I'm not really worried about him eating into stuff for Marv and for Chenault. So I think that that's a, a pretty nice number. I think it's like 56 and a half for his, 
receiving yards, uh, over on four and a half receptions. I think he's involved pretty heavily here. And uh, you mentioned, like, we could pick on the Titans. I think they're 28th in uh, passing success rate allowed. So you can obviously get to them. Uh, and if we're bullish on on T-Law continuing that, uh, it makes a lot of sense, too. Got to watch the injury reports here. There's lots of stuff going on. Do you think – I don't know in terms – do you, like, do you think Meyer uh, survives? I do. I think if you can get through, like, that initial window, right? So, like, he got through the window. He met with the owner. It seemed like today he had the full team meeting. Like, I feel like he's through it a little bit. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's just got to stop, like, finger-banging blondes, like, in cities that, you know, he, like <laughs> – it's just left over and you can't you can't not like take the bus home with your team like and then get caught there you know how bad that is for morale someone brought up a good point like you know for those of us who've played sports you know when is the coach not ever taking the bus back or flight back and for me it's been ne- like i've never seen a coach not do it and the only time that it's happened is like uh if they were going to like scout another team or going to like yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've just yeah, never like a seen family that emergency. Or yeah, family like, emergency. With the grandkids. And, and they brief everyone. They say, "Hey, look, I'm not taking the flight home. Here's why." You know, like when does that never? Like, what do you think? You just like, kind of like skirted out of there, like a very bizarre. Because yeah. to your point, I heard other veteran players saying, "Like, okay, so next, like, let's say they're in Atlanta or something, and guys just don't want to take the flight home. They want to stay and party there." Like. Even Chris Long tweeted, he's like, every veteran on Jacksonville just became their own boss. Like, every veteran on the team, like, probably feels like they can do whatever they they want. Um, I don't know. Part of me thinks, like, if it doesn't go well f- with Trevor Lawrence, they'll can him and be like, we just need to get an offensive guru in here. Yeah. But we'll see. I think he makes it through the year. But like you said, if it's if it's bad and it feels like this kind of is lingering – and to what you said, Jeff, if it is that vibe where the veterans have, they are their own boss, like it's an easy call to pull the plug next year. Like, new GM, new, like they're trying, like the, you know, Tony Khan's trying to get involved and, you know, Trent Bulky's there. Like I think that they don't want to be tied to this mess if it's, it's something where we already had trepidation coming into the season based off some of the, you know, discussion points. And he, he's just historically backed out of things in the last handful of years. So it was kind of puzzling to begin with. Yeah. I don't think you're missing anything by uh, staying away from the minus 150, though. All right. Uh, probably the least aesthetically pleasing game on the slate. Uh, Denver on the road against the Steelers. Steelers are one-point favorites at home. 39.5 is the total. We don't know the status of Teddy Bridgewater here. Uh, concussed in the second half. Could be the full Drew Locke experience. Uh, Teddy's been playing great, though. I mean, second in EPA per drop back. Completion percentage over expectation is... Uh, nearly 10%, which is elite, elite. Like It's the fourth highest rate in the league. Uh, they are fourth in yards per play offensively, which is surprising. We thought their, their defense was going to be great, but to have Teddy clicking offensively despite some of the injuries was was pretty cool to see. Not as uh, optimistic, at least I'm not, on Drew Locke. Connor, um, what are your thoughts on this game? Um, I think if Teddy plays, this is like a kind of a good buying opportunity on the Broncos. Um, we saw them really efficient offensively prior and then – their defense, I think, you know, came back down to earth a little bit, but still, I mean, they were they're pretty good against a much better opponent. And I think that we viewed them as like a you know fringe top five defense with an, an elite secondary, um, you know, maybe like top two, three secondary. And I think that still remains the same here. And against you know Big Ben, whose arm looks you know shot for the most part in the Steelers' offense, um, I think that it's a, a good matchup for their defense. And if the offense can 
be somewhat efficient. You know, that's good. If, it, if it's lock, I'm out. Um, you know, like if it's lock, I'm not really excited about buying the Broncos. I think the Steelers defense is still good enough to kind of keep the game close. But if Teddy plays, I think give me give me the Broncos here a little bit. You know, I think like maybe half unit play. Yeah, the only thing the Broncos really haven't been doing well offensively is is limiting pressure. They actually have allowed the highest rate of pressure on the season so far, which again speaks even more to how well Teddy's been playing. Um, that's bad news with Drew Locke, uh, with TJ Watt just basically teeing off, getting in there whenever he wants to. For some reason, again, I just this was a, a coin flip all summer, all spring and fall. Like we, and now we have a lot of confidence after our three and a half games for Teddy. But uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts here? So one of the I don't know I really don't know how to how to call this game Denver the injuries just keep piling up and it goes beyond um, it goes beyond Teddy uh, they've got injuries in their offensive line on their sec in their secondary right now it's a really tough game to to call Pittsburgh you know we're starting to just hammer those nails in but I don't know I feel like they might throw one last punch in that's why I don't want to pick on them right now against this uh, beaten-up Bronco team. I'm surprised the totals moved down, but I mean, I guess I'm not. Like This has like 17-13 on it if it's a Drew Locke game, which, again, is comfortably under a 39.5-point total. But, uh, yeah, nothing here so far. Again, we have to wait and see what happens at the quarterback position. But I mean, there could also be like three pick sixes. No, for sure. Like, yeah. You know. No, that kills an under – one of those bad boys you're under is 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 drawing dead. So – yeah, no, that's a good point. It, it's just tough to watch. Like the Steelers' offensive line has been basically as as bad as expected. They're dead last in adjusted line yards, thirty first in rushing success rate. Like this is all we kind of thought it would be. Um, the Ben stuff is is hard to watch. I mean, he's just he's not getting pressured. That's the only thing in the offensive yeah. line that statistically it looks like they're doing a good job limiting pressure. But he literally has the ball for two point two seconds, which is the fastest in the league. He literally just gets it and gets rid of it. So it's hard to really do anything that challenges defenses. I feel like a great defense like Denver, knowing that is going to happen, you just pop everyone up on the line of scrimmage and you take away those quick passing lanes right away and force them to do something to extend a play or to, you know, take a shot that's 15 yards down the field. I just don't know that they have it in them. So gotta be a, gotta be a gross one. A hold until we know what the injury status. All right. Uh, Miami next on the road. In Tampa, uh, Tampa 10, 10 and a half um, at win 48 is the total. The uh, Tom Brady return to New England was, at least for me, it was emotionally exhausting. It was fun to watch, though. Um, I thought he was great after. I mean, I, I know that I'm a Tom Brady stan, but I, I thought it was cool to see. I thought he was really, I don't know, I thought he was a little sentimental. I thought he was more candid than I was expecting him to be. Uh, again, I know it's slightly insufferable probably if you're a non-Patriots fan, but uh, tough shit. We uh, were really good for 20 years, and uh, we're going to have those moments. So uh, 10 points is a lot, but uh, Miami sucks. Jeff, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, Miami sucks. Those are kind of my thoughts right now. Laying 10 always seems yeah. to be uh, a tough ask, but for me, it's the Bucks or nothing. I'm telling you, I think the cooker is on in um, Miami. They had high expectations there, and – I'm like convinced Deshaun Watson, if it's not next month, it's next year's the quarterback of uh of the Dolphins. They are they're desperate. They're gonna start to get real desperate because uh they they see where they stand and you know you look at it, it's like Allen or Mahomes, 
and then Lamar, you know, and you know, Herbert and Burrow are coming in right behind, and then these other first round picks, like they're really behind now, and they thought they were ahead or had something had something going. So I think they get desperate in a big way coming up. Feels good, doesn't it? The two stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know. The Dolphins just sitting on the game. clock right behind them, just waiting for them to make the wrong choice. You know, and yeah. franchise quarterback falls in your lap. Yeah, I know. It's just I, you know, as for this year, like I thought they were going to be um, a lot better, like a lot of people, you know. But they really dominated with that defense and special teams last year, and put them in so many great positions. It's just not happening for them. I'm not going to be betting this game. Ten's always a number. Well, there's a there's a ten coming up that I kind of like a lot, but this isn't it. But I lean Bucks for sure. Yeah, to lose last week to Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz playing on three sprained ankles, which is a record. I think it's the most sprained ankles anyone's ever played on. But uh, yeah, Connor, I'm surprised. I thought that um, you know that third down defense and uh, you know insane turnover rate would be stable, but I guess I guess this it's again. Not. This again. I guess it's I guess it's not. So I don't this know. Again. Um, okay. Well, their defense went from like sixth in EPA to like twentieth. Like uh, you know, they're not good right now. And now you have Brissett. Just it, it is a disaster. This Miami team is in terrible shape right now. But for me, this like my biggest thing on this game is if if they post any rushing props, just take the under. Like just any rushing props doesn't matter what it is. Twenty yards for Malcolm Brown. Take the under. Whatever you're gonna get. Miles Gaskin seven yards under. Like you know, it's gonna be like. Each of them are going to have two carries for half a yard. Um, and like, Gaskin had 14% of the carries last week. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, teams he's, don't he's, even run against the Bucs. Yeah. He's dust at this point. Um, but no, exactly. Teams don't run against the Bucs. And if they do, they get, you know, destroyed. And so like, when they're in negative games, your 10 point dogs are going to have to throw the ball every play. Um, and I don't know. Will Brissett have any success? That the, I don't think the Bucks secondary is all that good. But like, do I, do you guys have any faith that Brissett can like take advantage of that? I, I don't really. But, I haven't seen it. I mean, I like Brissett. I think he's probably underrated, uh, like overall. But I don't. They just seem to be having a lot, a lot of trouble. I will say, I was all in on on uh, Gasecki props last week. Like just after that huge fourth down conversion on the game versus the Raiders. Like once he did that for Brissett. Uh, like to me, he's just the guy. Like I, I like to invest in Gasecki. So. That'll be my dolphin investment. Yeah. We got stung on the Jalen Waddle stuff last week on our, like three receptions on like the first possession of the game and then not another one for the rest of the way, which is brutal. You might be a good spot to go back to him now. Will Fuller on IR. He's out for what? At least three games. You know, Devontae Parker kind of ate a little bit last week, but um, it seems like in props, at least there could be a way to go with the dolphins. Cause that, that buck secondary is, is beat up too. Yeah. A lot of maybe some percent pass attempts, uh, props, you know, unders on the rushing yards over on Waddle. If we can catch a, a three and a half or a, a heavy juice up four and a half, I'd be interested in too, even. Yeah. The over on Brissett passing attempts makes me nervous just because, like, if they can't run, they can't sustain drives at all. Like, that's you know, fair. That's, yeah. you know, I don't even have a volume there. Over on punts. Yeah. <laughs> um, the schedule's breaking nicely for the Bucks, really. I mean, I know that they have a ton of injuries, but if you look after the Miami game, it's Philly, Chicago, New Orleans before a bye. Um, maybe gives them a little time to get healthy. And then 
They got Buffalo in week 14, and then their two Panthers matchups in 16 and 18. But otherwise, like, it's a nice schedule. I, I know that we were talking about this. We had like uh, Nick Costas in the in the preseason that we were talking about this Bucks over uh, win total, even though it was high. Like, I know they have a lot of questions, but they don't have a lot of tough opponents left on the schedule. They definitely feel like if you can get a bet on like them to be the one seed, they're probably significantly shorter than they were, you know, four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be something depending if your book offers that. Yeah, Bucks now minus four fifty to win the division. We got them like minus one sixty, minus one seventy, like yeah. preseason. So okay. pretty good. All right, next uh, Detroit on the road against the Vikings. Uh, Vikings eight and a half point favorites at home. The total here forty nine and a half. Uh, Vikings should cruise here. You would think. I, I'm. I don't know what it is. Like I'm not really comfortable backing them in Kirk Cousins when it's more than a touchdown. I know that it's the Lions here. Um. I got down on a pretty big money line parlay on Monday and I, I didn't even throw in the Vikings because I just didn't have a ton of conviction in them. I, I know that they probably win. I'm worried about this Dalvin Cook stuff too. He's saying he's gonna play, but he's not really healthy. Like, who does that help? Like that doesn't really <laughs> it doesn't help us in like fantasy in the prop market. You're you can't help your team. You have a suitable backup that can slide right in and be formidable. I, I don't I don't know, Connor. Do you have any any thoughts on on your Lions or any thoughts on cousins here at home? My Lions, yeah, I mean, they're going to be paying off my mortgage here at the end of the season after, uh, you know, they cast the under five wins because right now, so this this pass defense, I was looking into it. So they're the worst pass the EPA right now in the league. Um, that It's 0.436. Only three NFL defenses in, in history since 1999 have finished with a pass defense EPA worse than 0.3. Um, and so and they were one of them last year. And so you're basically looking at a defense which is, you know, on pace to be the worst pass defense in NFL history in terms of efficiency. Uh, now you have Akuda banged up. You have basically the whole secondary is banged up. There's not really much light at the end of the tunnel for them. Um, so, I mean, they just got, you know, dismantled by Justin Fields, I would say. You know, like it was, it was very, very, you know, evident that uh, the secondary just can't hang in, in general. So, for me, I mean, I think that we can continue attacking them there. I, I know that um, the Vikings, you know, like to run the ball, but with Dalvin Cook banged up, maybe they pass a little bit more and just expose this line secondary. Um, and not, not to mention the Minnesota offensive line, third and adjusted sack rate so far. Well, I mean, Detroit has been good in that metric. I think that it's a little bit, probably a little bit noisy um, in, in a lot of areas. So, yeah, I'm for me, I think the Minnesota team total over 28 is fine. You can find that. And, like, passing props, like, I mean, I think Kirk Cousins is going to be so, so efficient here. Jeff, you got anything? Yeah, it's one of – I mean, this spread has been going up because mm-hmm. I yeah. think I was talking about it at a seven or a seven and a half. And, you know, even last week, the Lions, you know, sometimes the way they lose can help us make money in, in the following week. People get this perception that they're feisty and gritty and they'll fight, and and that's fine, but – Connor mentioned it. They got some horrible injuries right now. For a team as bad as them, they're beaten up in the secondary, but they're also out with flowers on the D-line, and and like they got no edge rushers right now. This is going to be a huge Cousins game. Like They're going to just – they're going to fill it up. This is going to be one of those games where, you know, in the end it will help the, the good Kirk Cousins case for that finishing stat line. I probably don't even mind laying like the eight. 
eight points. Yeah. Uh, especially like if you think the Vikings clear that team total, they're going to cover. They're going to cover. So I'll get down on some more money line parlay with, with with them somewhere else. You guys are selling me. And this line, they are bad. They're so they're so bad. There is a buying opportunity in a market that I don't typically dabble in. I shared this with uh, you know Connor earlier and some in our Discord too. Um, I don't really get into the first quarter, first half markets ever. I think um, I don't know. I just we're dealing with such small samples anyway. Where we're like intentionally limiting the distribution of plays into like. Uh, you know, who won the coin toss and some stuff like that. I, I just don't mess with it. But I do think there's an edge here. The Vikings offense is uh, the best in the league in the first quarter by EPA per play and by a pretty significant margin. Uh, they've scored a touchdown in their first possession multiple times. It was the only time uh, that they actually even got in the um, Browns half of the field last week um, in the first half. And then the Lions defense is not just bad, like Connor said, they are by far the worst defense in the league uh, in EPA in the first quarter. Just atrocious, like historically. The game bad. will slow down. Like the, It will feel like a slower football game for Cousins in the Vikings offense. Yeah. Like about what, versus what they just had to experience last Sunday with those edge rushers and, and that for, defense on, on the Browns. That's for sure. Yeah, so I, I took a piece of the uh, Vikings – Minus three in the first quarter. I know there's some two and a halves floating out there uh, that are juiced up a little bit, depending on your book. I, I don't mind that. Obviously, getting under the hook is is a pretty good number. Uh, again, a bet that I don't think I've ever bet a quarter or a half before, to be honest. Um, but I feel like there's an edge here in the metrics. And again, it could be noisy. It's only uh, you know four weeks into the season, but I feel like it fits kind of how these teams come out and script plays, and it fits the narrative that the Lions are just atrocious defensively. So um, in on that. And uh, yeah, you guys talked me into some some Minnesota money line here. There's some good money line plays. Here yeah, they're, they're in a great they're in a great teaser range. If you can get them below the the seven and the three, I mean, it depends on what the number closes at. But I would recommend get putting them in there pretty soon if you can get grab that because I, I think that there's a chance. There, I think that it's certainly within the range of outcomes that they maybe only win by seven. But um, you know, I don't see them winning by less than you know three or losing. To be honest, yeah. I did put this next one in the uh, money line parlay. Pats are on the road against the Texans. This is up to uh, nine and a half. Uh, Texans catching almost ten at home. Total down to thirty nine and a half. Patriots were available at seven in the look ahead market. Uh, I snatched that up as well. It obviously feels like a, a nice get right spot for the Patriots. Tyrod's still going to be out, so we got Davis Mills versus a Belichick defense. Uh, even without Stephon Gilmore, still second in pass DVOA. Six in EPA per play, fifth in points per drive so far. Nine and a half is rich, but again, we joked last week with Lofty D, like how many points will we need to feel confident in taking uh, the Texans against the Bills? And the answer was forty-one, Connor. So um, I don't know. What do you think? What are your thoughts here? Uh, I mean, I like the I like the Pats here. I just think that like the issues for the Texans is like how are they going to move the ball against a defense that's you know I mean a top 10 defense. Like they didn't even start moving the ball against the Panthers until JC Horn was out. We mentioned that last week. I went back to the well this week with Davis Mills unders. Um, and I mean, he, he had the pretty sure he had like three passing yards at half or something like that. You know, it, I mean, it was just like an absolute joke. Um, and now he plays against Patriots defense, which six in EPA so far. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I just don't think like maybe the Patriots aren't as successful offensively, but I think that kind of thing for them is like maybe 21 to 24 points. Uh, I mean, I don't even see the Texans scoring like, you know, 14 in this point. So um, 
Like I think the team total under for Houston at anything above 14 is interesting as well. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that's probably my biggest takeaway is just take the Pats, take down on the Texans. Um, I also think that this could be a Damian Harris game. Uh, you know, a week after they went pass heavy against the pass funnel, Tampa Bay defense, it would be, I would, I would say almost like I expect them to go run heavy here with Damian Harris and just like run the ball 30 times. And, and, you know, he scores like three touchdowns. Um, I think that it's, would be would be very interesting. They're also matches with their run defense, which is uh, second worst run to EPA, seventh and seventeenth to pass EPA. So yeah, Jeff, I think you teased us with this one earlier. Yeah, I love the Patriots, uh, and honestly, there might not be a team in football that I would like. I would probably lay ten with every team in football right now versus Houston until they show me otherwise. <laughs> no, like ten might be the starting point. So a team like <laughs> the Patriots. I, I would probably be comfortable laying like more. I could even be tempted to like alt spread the minus 13 and a half, 14 until the Texans show me. Otherwise I, I think I'll bet against them with the, the spread and I'll look for alternate spreads. I, I, I There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing here. Yeah. Um, it's going to get ugly. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's not much else to say. A team total too, Connor. You said like fifteen. Like we're on the the right side of a key number if we want to take an under um, on the Texans because again they showed life with with Tyrod, but we're still doing the Davis Mills thing here, so not great. No. Yeah, um, I'm with you on the Damian Harris thing too. All right, um, next New Orleans on the road against Washington. Washington is uh, short home dog catching a point and a half. Forty four is the total. I, I don't. I don't know what to make of the Saints team. Like, I feel like they are the one team. I just don't have a really good read on them whatsoever. I think that was, was a really bad. I mean, for me, it was expensive, but it was a really bad late game collapse uh, against the Giants last week. Um, I don't know. Some of their defensive metrics feel fluky to me. Like they're popping as being a pretty good defense. And I feel like they're okay, but I don't feel like they're that per se. Uh, again, I think some of that has to do with who they played. Offensively, 30th in yards per drive. Uh, they have been almost completely devoid of explosive plays, both on the ground and through the air. Uh, I took Washington money line on Monday. I probably should have waited. I could have got a better number. But um, I'm interested in Washington as a dog here. They have some injuries themselves. But um, I don't know. I just don't believe in the Saints, Jeff. What are your thoughts? Hey, you kind of hit on it. I don't know whether it's like a theme for more people than I, but the Saints have been the team in the league that I've just had a horrible time getting a read on and in attempts to play armchair psychologist with them have gone horribly wrong as well thinking the neutral site home games the relocation that's not gonna work well and then thinking oh well next week at home that'll be like a hornet's nest in the superdome i don't think i've gotten them right once that being said in looking at these two teams i mean they they, they kick the shit out of the packers and the patriots so at least they have like that on the resume, but you could say, yeah, a lot of their numbers do look skewed. I don't have a clue here. Washington, that defense, you know, probably the most disappointing unit in the first month of the season, not to say they won't find their rhythm. I don't like this game really from either side, but I would lean the Saints just because of uh, they've been, some of their wins have been really impressive. So they have that in them, I guess. Oh, that's fair. Um, I will say, I think we're going to have a clean pocket for Taylor Heineke. Saints have the second worst adjusted sack rate in the league. They're bottom third in pressure. 
Um, only the Rams O-line has a lower adjusted sack rate allowed than Washington. So um, Brandon Scherf probably out for this one for the, as a guard for Washington, which does obviously doesn't help. But again, like there's no pressure to be found on the Saints side as well. And then how can you go a game without targeting Alvin Kamara? I, I understand it, Connor. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean, you're that, like it, running routes for like Deontay Harris and like Ty Montgomery. Legit. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, this one for me, like, is I think you guys said it really well. There's this Saints team has been all over the place. You know, they, they beat a really good, they demolish a Packers team. You know, they beat a Patriots team and they just like really have just been very volatile. Not a team that I like to bet um, like this. I mean, they could very easily lose this game. They could very easily win by 30. You know, I just have no idea what we're going to see here. Um, so yeah, full pass for me, maybe a live betting scenario if we kind of see some edges, but uh, not really. All right, now next one, we have the Panthers hosting the Eagles. Panthers, three-and-a-half-point home favorites. Totals at 45-and-a-half. First true test last week for Carolina in Dallas. Didn't go so great, but again, considering they didn't have McCaffrey, they didn't have J.C. Horn, uh, they, you know, got some late scores to make it look a little bit better. Um, Cowboys really able to run all over them. Now they host the Eagles. They lead the league in explosive run rate on the season. It's mostly Jalen Hurts' stat, to be honest. Uh, Good news, though, looks like McCaffrey might be back. He practiced almost in full, I think, today, which is cool to see. Um, Eagles got in a pissing match against the Chiefs, and that did not go well. Jeff, what are your thoughts? I love Carolina here. Mm -hmm. I'm quite bullish on Carolina as a surprise team going back to the offseason. I'm a pro uh, Matt Rule guy. I think this is a severe coaching um, mismatch. It looks like Buddy and Philly like learning on the fly. Rookie head coaches, I mean, yeah, I get it. They're not all Brandon Staley. But <laughs> learning on the fly, like, I don't know. This guy seems like every decision is kind of fly by night. The Eagle offensive line is, they could be down from two to almost two guys to maybe the whole freaking thing. I, this Carolina defensive line, I think, can feast on them. Carolina got got last week. And when Dallas gets that running game clicking with Dak and those receivers, you know, they're their own conversation. Like, how good are we? Are they? Do we hold biases against Dallas because they're Dallas and they're annoying? <laughs> I don't know. That's a different conversation. But the Eagles can't run the ball like that, and they can't keep that Carolina defense guessing. Carolina, big. I'm surprised this one's moved down too, to be honest. I, I'm kind of with you there. Um, you're telling me basically that they're almost even teams. I know home field advantage is probably not the full three anymore, but it's moving towards the Eagles side, which is surprising. Yeah, Panthers first in both pressure rate and adjusted sack rate. And that's bad news with that Eagles that Eagles uh, offensive line, as, as Jeff laid out. Connor, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if it gets to three, I'm I'm definitely interested in taking the Panthers for sure. Even a three and a half, I think that that's it's valuable. Even though I I'm a big Jalen Hurts guy, I love Jalen Hurts so much. I, I do. I, well, I think that also just the way they've been they've been playing. The Eagles are right now second in pass rate over expectation. Um, you know, Devonta Smith has looked good. Jalen Rager is you know revitalized. Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz are both looking good. Um, you know, I mean, revitalized and he was dead, you know, like, you know, he, he's at least moving. He was now. dead last week too. So maybe, yeah, he, and so they maybe, didn't punt last week. Not one time did they have to bring their punter on the field. I yeah. don't think so. Well, Chiefs will do that to you. Yeah, that, that, I think that's another point too, is that the Chiefs defense is really, really bad. Um, but 
I think this Eagles offense is actually uh, above average. And so I, I don't know what to make of this Panthers defense, though, because it seems like they were like, you know, elite, elite to start the season, then had some injuries. And I think they're probably still good. But, uh, you know, how how good they are, I think is still, you know, to be determined. Um, so but, over 45 and a half. Yeah, because also the Panthers, too, top 10 right now in pass rate over expectation. Uh, and this Eagles defense, as you guys mentioned, uh, not that good. So. Uh, I, I lean towards the over for sure, and then uh, probably the Panthers on the spread, if it, especially if it gets a three. Yeah, I was looking. You can do like an alt. You can bring it down to like Panthers two and a half um, with the total, and it's like plus one sixty. A little same game parlay action, which I think is is pretty nice. Just kind of buying down that uh, that point a little bit and putting them together, I think is uh, is pretty interesting. I'd be interested to see too. Like I lean over, and I think that probably gets steamed a little bit if McCaffrey is active. Um, I feel like he's again, probably one of the only backs that maybe could do something like that to move a total, at least to 46, 40, we get into like 46, 46 and a half closer to 47. Now we're dealing with some key numbers and that's totally different. So 45 and a half is, is pretty intriguing. Um, DJ Moore usage is insane too. Like full alpha mode, 30% target share, 39% air yards and like a 10 yard average at the target, which is just, uh, Pretty awesome. Another L for me to take. I was uh, definitely with Connor there, Team Robbie, uh, at least in like best ball at cost. I thought that uh, I didn't want to pay the, the DJ Moore freight, and uh, we are taking that one on the chin, Connor. Yeah, it's okay. We, we got him in our main event, thankfully, uh, so we're okay. That's actually true. Yeah. Yeah. We'll hold that out gladly as he scores plenty of fantasy points for us, and we win money. Yeah. All right, next, Chicago on the road in Vegas. Uh Raiders five-point favorites here. 44 is the total. Shocking turn of events. Finally today, um, and he stumbled ass backwards into the correct decision, uh, putting Justin Fields behind uh, under center, uh, letting the Bears kind of run it there. New running back, too. David Montgomery going to be on the shelf for a bit. Damian Williams, next man up here. Uh, I don't want to overrate the Lions win, but it was good to see Fields look like an NFL-level prospect clearly vibing with with Bill Lazor as a play caller, too. Um, on the other side, the Raiders took their first L of the season, really didn't get anything going against the Chargers, who uh, really showed up in a big way there. Uh, Jeff, what are your thoughts on this one? I like the Bears. I think they represent some value here, especially if the Raiders are down, all those guys in the secondary. Raiders are really a hard team, you know, still – in my opinion, to get a read on because their record could easily be flipped the other way um, in some regards if you look at, you know, the games that they won. And, you know, while looking back at their wins, they might not look as impressive as they did at the time. But, you know, that you don't really want to take that away from them. But, you know, like when they beat Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was just off beating Buffalo and Pittsburgh was a touchdown favorite at home. When they beat Miami, we're still like, no, it's a game like Miami covered. A lot of us liked Miami. We're like, Miami's going to get off the mat in this one. This is the Miami get right game situation. Uh, and, and But now, you know, a couple weeks later, you're like, well, Pittsburgh dog shit and Dolphins are dog shit. And what are the Raiders? Like, what are the Raiders? Um, so it's a, they're a confusing team to read as much as you like their D line and you appreciate that their O line is improved. I'm going to take the five points. Uh, on on the Bears, I don't I don't know. Hopefully, Fields can take advantage of of the Raider secondary. 
I know the Raiders secondary was much better than the Lions coming into this year. Now they've had the attrition we saw on primetime where, you know, all these guys are going down. I, I couldn't believe that they weren't taking more shots to Big Mike, in, especially in that second half. Like, ended up working out. They didn't necessarily need to, but, like, man, massive, massive mismatch there. Connor, thoughts on the, the Bears here? I know you're uh, excited to see at least them look a little bit – Decent. Yeah, I mean, I was so I was at the game last week and had like seats where it was like watching all twenty two. You know, it was just beautiful the entire time. Awesome. And I mean, Fields was dropping dimes. Like, you know, it's not like just because these guys were open. It was that like Fields was literally every single deep pass was like on the money, was perfect, like in stride. Um, and the routes that these guys were running were just like way different than what we saw in the past uh, with Nagy kind of calling plays. Like you saw multiple different like play actions, like bootlegs, and where. Um, you know, like Allen Robinson would run like a 15 yard route in like, I mean, that didn't happen until the second half and they only passed the ball 17 times. But my point is that like, it wasn't just like, you know, quick slants and, you know, hitches and curls, like five yards from line of scrimmage trying to get, you know, fields into rhythm. It was like deeper passes and kind of accentuating his strengths. Uh, and so, and he proved that, I mean, he was fitting the ball into very like, you know, not necessarily tight, but into what could have been tight windows if they needed to be. Uh, so, you know, I'm a big fan of them going forward. And I think that, you know, the play calling was, uh, you know, a little bit better and I'm excited to see them in a scenario where it's a little bit more competitive. I mean, the bears were thoroughly dominating that game pretty much from, from start to finish. There was a little bit where it got close, but I mean, not really, they could just run the ball and salt the game away for the most part. That's a stay away for me. Like I feel like under six is probably a decent price on the Raiders, but I'm with you, Jeff. Like, I, I don't have a good feel for this team either. I don't believe that they're good. Um, I don't believe that Carr is a difference maker. I mean, I know that they played well earlier, but you kind of punch some holes in the timing of their schedule and how it's, like, linked up earlier. Like, maybe I'll get in some props, but uh, there's not a lot of meat on the bone for me here. Maybe a Bears team total over um, could be interesting. Again, we're, we're under some key numbers here, which could be interesting if we think the, the Bears are viable at all. I think – over 19 and a half is interesting, but that's kind of it for me. Yeah. I mean, is this going to be like the fourth straight season that the, you know, the Raiders collapse after the first few weeks? I mean, like, you know, whatever, like since 2019, I tweeted this out weeks one and two, five and one weeks, three through 17, 12 and 16. Uh, I mean, just collapse season. They strung me along last year. I had their team total under and it looked dead in like week 12. And then they like lost four in a row but then got a got a garbage week 17 win to uh push him over which was painful i thought that bet was dead and then uh gave it life all right this is gonna be one of the fun ones of the weekend uh cleveland on the road against the chargers uh this one has moved through the zero now chargers minus one and a half total has dipped pretty drastically uh, down to 47 this is a perfect time to do it because this is uh jeff's squad um I got to take a public L on the Chargers. I know that we're not done. I know we're only four games in. Uh, I love the roster, but I had major concerns about the scheme changes on both sides of the ball. I thought that the early season schedule was brutal, and it is, uh, but they seem to be navigating it pretty well. Um, just turns out that Brandon Staley is just kind of awesome. Um, I, I didn't think they could completely flip what they did last year defensively, like – the Chargers played a ton of single high safety, like 30 or like the second most in the league. And now it's the complete opposite. They lead the league in two high shell looks. Um, and it's working. 
And Joe Lombardi is doing things offensively that are really good. They lead the league in yards per drive. The offensive line, like we thought, was uh, was going to be good. I know you know Jeff was really excited about how the, the draft fell for him, and they're playing really well. I just thought that they could probably be maybe nine and eight, have some you know learning curve issues with the uh, the schematic changes, but they are playing pretty good, buddy. I'm I'm sure you're pretty happy. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, this is, uh, an interesting game for the Chargers. Having, you know, people were worried about a letdown after the big chief win. That was sort of the angle most people were taking who liked the Raiders on Monday. And I'm sort of worried after two, you know, big, big wins because of primetime games sort of get a show off for a national audience. Uh, you know, now they play a very, different team than they've played the last couple weeks and to be honest even the Dallas game the week before the Browns you know are probably closer to like a just a super elite version of what the Redskins you know people want the Redskins to be so the Chargers could get got here um, from a scheduling perspective the Browns a hard team to read though guys I don't know about you but as far as I'm concerned maybe the best game they did play this season was week one against the Chiefs a game that they should have won and a game that's proven, um, you know, in the last month that the Chiefs are beatable. At least September proved that to a certain extent. Then they play a, a weird game versus the Texans. Then they play the naggy sabotage game for, for fields. And then they, you know, score 14 points versus the Vikings. They win on the road. You, you don't want to shortchange them, but you're like, buddy, score 14 points too often in this league. Like, you're lucky to win any any um any time but i don't know it's a nervous game that d line i i don't really have like an excited confident vibe that i did was like feed me the raiders like feed me the raiders uh this is a an interesting game with two teams that people are expecting big things from you i you think i'd be like have a bold confident take on it but i i don't i the chargers have not played a team in some respects that um, I don't want to say complete, but like is really this physical on defense and has an offense that really can move the ball despite Mayfield's current dip. Yeah, that was the painful one. Cause I made an Odell props um, Odell and DFS and like, it was Baker was bad. Baker was, was by far his, his worst game of the year. Uh, these are two playoff teams, Connor. It's going to be fun and one, fun and one to watch. Do you have any leans so far? Uh, my my initial lean is on the Chargers when they were they were actually open as dogs. Now they're yeah. up to minus one and a half. Uh, I definitely like them as dogs. Even at one and a half, I I still think they're the better option. My biggest concern here, and something that I go back to, is that if the Browns are running the ball successfully, you know, which they should do, um, you know, the the matchup here of the Chargers, the one thing that they really struggled with is bad. Uh, you know, stopping opposing teams on the ground here. If you look at uh, the metrics here, 26th in rushing success rate allowed, 25th in run DDVOA, and 25th in explosive run rate uh, so far. But their secondary has been really strong, 4th in pass DDVOA. So you have a little bit of a run funnel, but against Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, uh, I mean, that's a little bit scary. Uh, and so for me, it seems like the Browns can move the ball efficiently in that sense. And while, you know, I, I understand that optimally passing the ball makes the most sense uh, in most scenarios. For here, I think the Browns are going to move the ball on the Chargers, so uh, at least on the ground. So for me, it's a little bit of a stay away. I still think the Chargers are able to pull it off, though, in the end. 
I regret not making a quick move on this game, um, like for a teaser, like because mm-hmm. when it was at a pick, I could get it to a touchdown. Now, you know, if you, it's a great game, probably to tease the Browns, the Chargers. You know, the, they seem like they're still going to find themselves in close games, even if they're, you know, maybe a different version of the Chargers that might win some of these games and like the tortured ones <laughs> I know so well and the, you know, whatever. Um, but now, now at the one and a half, like I'll bet it in the end because that's just what I'm going to do. But I regret not taking the tease option to get it to a touchdown with some of those favorites we spoke about in the 1 p.m. No, that's oh, yeah. a good point. That's a big one. I, I think again, this is it comes down to Staley being sharp. Like he knows uh, even the best rushing team, as far as like EPA per play goes, is like middle of the pack as far as like EPA per pass. So I looked at it a little bit today on Sports Info Solutions. They are by far the um, they have the fewest snaps with stacked boxes. They just don't even try. So like they're they're poor against the run, but like they are just running a ton of like weird fronts with five mostly six dbs and they're letting you run knowing that is not the optimal way to beat them but to connor's point like is that the way to play the browns and we can give him so much credit is staley sharp enough to go i'm gonna do it a little different this week because i know how they want to play and i know that we can beat them maybe with just five guys in the back half and maybe we're a little bit more deliberate with bringing an extra guy into the box because 72% of the snaps so far this season for the Chargers have been with what's considered a light box. So I'm interested in Chubb over on his rushing yards. Like 83 and a half is what it opened up at on FanDuel. Um, it's a good, maybe an emotional hedge, Jeff, if you want to take some, uh, you know, Chubb yeah. overs and, and, and bang that with your Chargers. So that way you can at least uh, feel good about it if it goes the other way. We have him, I think, at 96 yards. So we have a pretty substantial lean on the over on him. And I will say, like in closing on the Chargers, anytime, like I loved anyone who like brought me on to do a hit or any, on any of their shows to talk golf. And then they, you know, they naturally allowed me or wanted to talk Chargers time and time again. I'd say like every time Brandon Staley opens his mouth, like I fell more in love and people be like, no, you're biased. Like you're biased. You would have said the same with Lynn and McCoy. No. Like, I carried their water. Like, I carried their water up hills because they were the coach of my favorite team. But I did not sell for them like like I did for this guy in every offseason media or any time he spoke. And the things that people are seeing on the field, well, he didn't tell us as Charger fans or people that watched every word he was going to say that this is what I'm going to do. He wasn't going to give away a game plan. He was pretty clear and directive that what we are seeing was going to happen. Like he's I'm going to, we are going to be on the cutting edge. Like we are going to find the advantages and execute on them. And it's just, I can't even explain it. Like what it is like to go from Anthony Lynn <laughs> to this man. I, I'm not even prepared. It, it's like Beverly Hillbillies in some respects and throw in the LA angle or one week you're dating like the school snaggletooth and now you have the prom queen like it's it's incredible i'm excited for you i know that you were drinking the kool-aid uh in the the preseason pressers 
but it has come to fruition in the first you know month of the season. So you got to feel encouraged with it too. And uh, they're a fun roster. I mean, there was no doubt that the roster was loaded. That was the problem with the Anthony Lynn era was that we all knew that that roster, if they could stay healthy somehow, if they could make it out of you know camp just without losing Derwin James and another you know piece on the offensive line or something, that they had it to to be there if they can all put everything together. And, and here we are. So these are two playoff teams. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, another good battle, uh, NFC West foes, Niners on the road against Arizona. Arizona's five-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Totals at 50-and-a-half at win. Um, big road win for the Cardinals last week. I thought that the Rams were going to handle them in a big way. You thought that could be a letdown spots, um, or that this could be, too, after that big win. But, again, in the division against the Niners, I think that they are ready to play here. Um, don't really know what to make of this quarterback situation. Like, Jimmy G – was there for a presser today, which is weird. Like if the quarterback's not playing or like ruled out, which they obviously haven't done. Like he was, he took a press conference today, which is, which is strange. If this is a Trey Lance game, I think he's fun for fantasy. I don't know that he's fun yet for uh, wins and losses for the Niners, but maybe again, maybe they didn't have the Trey Lance package ready to go last week. They got a week of practice and they have, you know, a different game plan here. Connor, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of a wait and see for me in terms of Trey Lance. I think it's going to be a relatively fast-paced game. Um, and Arizona D has been uh, really bad against the run in some areas, especially the explosive run rate where they rank last, uh, which I think is a little bit interesting there. But the issue is and normally I'd be excited about that for the Niners squad, which has been, you know, at least under Shanahan, had a really strong running game that, you know, has had plenty of explosive plays. Like this would be the, you know, a 200-yard Raheem Mostert game potentially. Uh, but – you know, he's not there and Trey Sermon, they'll clearly don't trust because they're playing use check so much. Uh, and um, I, I, you know, I think Mitchell, obviously when, when he's back is, is in play as well. So um, for me though, in, in this one, I think it's kind of a stay away. I just don't know what we're going to see out of Trey Lance. I think that there's like Justin Fields. We talked about this when his first start, there's probably going to be some highs and there's probably going to be some really low lows. And what we see week, the first week he starts, I don't think many people have much of an idea. Uh, Jeff, any leans here? I lean San Francisco. If I had to pick a money line dog to win outright at 4 p.m., San Francisco would be my pick. The Bengals would be that pick in the 1 p.m. slate. Uh, At the same time, I would be afraid of, like, teasering San Francisco because Arizona has this element to them, like, they can win huge. Like, that seems like part of the what they're about when it's going to work. Uh, For them, there's a betting angle that I absolutely love in the NFL, and it's good teams in the first game with the backup. Now, you have to quantify. You have to believe that the team who's going to the backup, at least in that first game, is good. Uh, You can have metrics that believe they're good, or you just believe that that is um, a good team. Now, I will admit uh, uh, the Dolphins covered despite losing to that the Raiders and I use that metric there thinking no I think the Dolphins are a good team they're well coached there was an incident last week and I'm forgetting which quarterback it was um who won or covered as the backup now I'm drawing a complete blank on it but for me I like the 49ers a lot in this game off a couple losses to get off the mat in NFC West that I think um there's just going to be a lot of like head-to-head exchanging going on, uh, just like we saw 
lot like I think both teams that lost last week in the division come back and win this week in the division because they're all division games again. Tit yeah. for chat in the NFC West. I'm not overthinking it. I I don't disagree with that. I mean, I just I think this Cardinals offense. I grabbed the Cardinals at four and a half, um, just because I think this Niners secondary is something that the Cardinals can exploit, and they have I think depth that we are not used to. Like last year, it was just DeAndre Hopkins, and he's still the man. But now it's AJ Green, Kirk, and Rondell Moore all have a target share between 14 and 19%. Chase Edmonds is in the mix there too. He's at 17%. Like they're just harder to defend. They're more aggressive downfield. We jokingly refer to them as like the horizontal raid for the last few years, but they out like Kyler's being aggressive and successful deep down the field. And I think that the really the flaw for the Niners defensively is the secondary. So if they are able to not look ahead. They're able to show up. Um, I think that they can they can do some stuff here. I think this is maybe an over game, though, if we think that that Lance is even somewhat useful because um, I think you can run a little bit on the Cardinals. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to wait and see. The, the, the props have been hard for this team because everything's so split, and we know like that's how the Cardinals are. And then Shanahan makes it really difficult to do anything on the, the Niners' side, especially as, as it relates to the running back position. So, um that Seems will be interesting an interesting too. game, like when the player props actually do come out. Like even like Lance rushing yards. Yeah, you're gonna want to get on that early, one way or the other. I think. Oh yeah, because that's gonna skyrocket regardless whether it's warranted or not. You know. Yeah, we had it with Fields in the in the Cleveland game, right, where it like got mm-hmm. bet up to like 54 or something ridiculous, and yeah, we not that did not go well. So. Yeah, I don't know. I just think again, I bullish on him long term, but there's something to be said for. We're two years removed for him really playing in a meaningful game uh, at poor competition. Like, this is a little bit different. What would the spread be, though? Like, if they knew – if Jimmy G didn't get hurt last week, what's the spread? They're probably still hanging out at four and a half. Yeah, I would say four. Three, yeah. three and a half maybe. This game, I think, like a week ago was two. Okay. Right? So, big movement. But I don't want to make too much of um, advanced line value because – they're starting someone in there, you know, anytime there's something happens with the quarterback, you know, that's more, that's more impactful than sort of like losing ugly, looking bad on TV, people not wanting to bet you. And the advanced line is different than the current line. Yeah. You know, quarterbacks, you know, that's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Three, three and a half. And the look aheads from what I'm seeing here. But yeah. I mean, they also like curb stomp the ramps who had just beat Tampa the week before. Like, they won by 17, but, like, the Rams got a late Robert Woods touchdown. That game wasn't even that close. Like, that was an impressive win. So I think we're getting a little bit of recency bias bump on the Cardinals along with the quarterback change for the Niners here. So um, I grabbed the four and a half because I thought that we could get to six here. And I guess, you know, someone that likes the 49ers and part of betting football, I don't know, at least sometimes is you have to like convince yourself of, of what you're believing in or what your numbers are telling you. And I'll like look at that game from the Rams and be like, oh, they just beat Tampa, which they probably saw as a bigger game for them internally. And then they have this Thursday nighter on a short week on the road. Cardinals were lucky to catch the Rams on a spot. I love the Cardinals. I'm just trying to internalize like my thoughts on trying to underplay that win last week and sort of taking uh, like all these extra points smart uh, in the division when these teams are probably pretty close. I mean, 
I'm not. I don't think that the Cardinals are very. I still think they're a little overrated, to be honest. But I'm, I'm worried about what the Niners are. Well, they're very in the cool, secondary. right? They're like a very cool. <laughs> Kyler's team. sexy. Yeah, no, I get yeah. it. No, for sure. He's fun to watch. There, you know, he runs, he makes plays, but that's it too. Is like some of the metrics are nice, but they rely so heavily on his ability to make plays, extend plays with his legs. Um, it's not like this. It's not like Cliff is all of a sudden sharp. It, 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 they're running the same stuff. Yeah, they're just they're more efficient. So, all right, this is on getting steamed in a weird way. Uh, Giants on the road against Dallas. Dallas down to seven point favorite, still solid touchdown at home. Uh, total at fifty one and a half. Uh, I did not really think that this Dallas defense had a top ten season in them. I don't know that they do for four weeks in, but. Uh, Trayvon Diggs looks like a difference maker. Micah Parsons feels like a guy that probably should have gone earlier than he did in the draft. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, we knew that the offense would be awesome, assuming that Dak was fully healthy. But we didn't really have anything indicating that he wouldn't be. Um, and I don't think they've really hit their ceiling offensively yet. They're like below average in explosive pass rate so far. Like there are some big plays that we haven't really seen. Uh, could get started against the Giants this week. Giants were a team that I shorted in the preseason. Um, I thought the defensive numbers last year were fluky as well, similar to Miami. They are 27th in both EPA per play and DVOA so far. They are not getting any pressure. Uh, offensive line and defensive lines are pretty bad. Um, I'm surprised that this has gone down to seven. This was like eight, eight and a half. Um, Connor, what am I missing here? Uh, not a whole lot, I don't think. I mean, I mean, I I would say that what you are missing maybe is that the Giants looked good offensively against the Saints defense, which we think is good, uh, and that's kind of like uh, this Giants team. I'm I'm kind of lost on because I was very sure that they were bad, uh, you know. And then last week they they looked okay, and so now that's kind of it makes me reconsider. Maybe it was a one week fluke again, but I think the Saints fall in that that category too. If we don't, we aren't really sure that they're good or not. So. Uh, for me, I like Dallas at seven for sure. Um, I think that the total seems a little high, um, but uh, just because I'm not sure that the Giants hold up their end of the bargain against the Cowboys defense, which, as you mentioned, has been you know a, a top ten unit so far. But uh, you know, again, it's only been a few weeks, so we can't really say that that's like you know in hindsight it might look look silly that they were a top ten unit. But for me, probably would lean towards the under or and the Cowboys here, in, in kind of like a you know maybe ten point win for the boys. Yeah, Danny Jones played well so far, but uh, are you buying any of this, Jeff? I mean, not, not really. I like Connor. Like, thought the Giants are horrible, uh, but that was nice to see them get off the mat and play tough and come back and win in overtime and sort of, I guess, see you know Saquon get some life after yeah. a really tough maybe schedule to start the season off the injury. So that is exciting. It's more of a stay away game for me. I'm just more like really intrigued about Dallas now. Like we're all official, not all, but you know, even the people that were didn't know what to make of them. Like they look like they're going to be a really pretty girl. Uh, and now how will they handle it? That we're all sort of like fawning over them. Uh, and you're right. Outside of that first game, they haven't really gotten multiple receivers going in any game with the, with the, um, running attack and that's something that you feel like is coming the only thing that the regression has to come on defense this is a defense that obviously they're better than what people thought and that's amazing and that's where they are where they are and everyone thought washington's defense was going to be amazing and they're shit and that's where they are where they are but they're like living off these turnovers they're getting to a game 
They've had like games with four. Uh, it's funny they lost the game where they had three or four versus Tampa. Yeah, but some level like of turnover. I don't want to call it luck because you know this Diggs guy is amazing. He made a play on a Herbert like missile that not many guys I've seen in in this twenty Herbert starts come close to touching, let alone picking. Um, so I don't know. I'm expecting some turnover regression. I don't have a, any vibe here. I would pick the Giants though in a division game getting the touchdown. And I guess with that though, like you're dying, you're you're begging for the backdoor cover if you're betting the Giants. And that's not something I really like betting on. Yeah, the, again, to win in New Orleans, which we're not really sure about either, we talked about, but like no Sterling Shepard, no Darius Slayton. I thought that was a pretty good win for them. But I, I don't know. I, something makes me feel like this is a we see a little bit more ceiling offensively for the Cowboys. We just haven't seen it. Like they they scored thirty six last week. They Cooper and Lamb combined for seven targets. Like crazy. Lamb did nothing. Yeah, and they nothing. got thirty six. Like I don't know. Like I I feel like there's even more there there. Um, and I think maybe we see it here against a, a really suspect Giants defense. Um, no Blake Martinez. I think that's a problem for them. Um, again, no pass rush to speak of. So I, I'm I'm interested in Dallas here. I'm interested in their team total, which is crazy high. But like I like I said, I feel like they can hang a really crooked number. I don't know if Dallas can keep up, but again, maybe maybe the total is just an overplay because they get Sterling Shepard back, and maybe they get Slayton back, and um, it, it, some of the regression that Jeff is talking about maybe shows up this week too. But maybe they do in Miami, and they just roll on this unsustainable turnover rate. But they, um, they don't need turnovers to beat and cover the Giants either. You would think. Yeah. Like, they just score sevens. <laughs> maybe get a dozen targets for one of the two receivers and just see what happens when they catch, you know, nine balls and, and go off. So, yeah. It'll be interesting. Uh, this one's going to be great. Last one here. Buffalo on the road against the Chiefs. This is uh, – Three at win currently, total 56 and a half. Um, we knew the Chiefs weren't losing three in a row. For some reason, that game against the Eagles had dropped down to six and a half late uh, before kickoff, which I thought was was interesting. Obviously, the half point became irrelevant, but, uh, you know, KC, 500 total yards basically. Didn't punt Mahomes, did his thing, 280 and five scores. They're going to have to do it again, though. Uh, this, I think the Bills are legit. We talked about them in the preseason. I wanted Bills alt-overs. I think that some of their defensive metrics are really hard to believe in. They're inflated because of their easy schedule. But with that said, like a bunch of teams have played the Texans and the Dolphins, and they didn't shut them out. So there's something to be said for what the Bills did in the offseason in their attempt to knock off the Chiefs and be like, hey, we're going to go get a kick-ass pass rush. Uh, We have a kick-ass corner. We can really start to get ready to beat the Chiefs. This Chiefs defense is abysmal, Connor. I mean, any of the metrics that we would think are important, <laughs> DVOA, EPA, yards per drive, points per drive, they are dead last. Yeah, um, that, that sheet that you, that you make with all the metrics, it's literally just dark red, you know, for all of the metrics for the Chiefs. Uh, I mean, they have just been gotten lit up repeatedly. Uh, and the, where, meanwhile, Buffalo right now, number one in defensive EPA, which is surprising. Uh, but as you said, the schedule has been, you know, crazy soft. I think that they're probably still good defense, but they're probably not as elite as they've shown so far. Um, but I mean, kind of for those reasons, I think that this Buffalo offense is good enough 
to take advantage of this poor Chiefs defense and that um, they're able to cover the three and a half, you're able to get that, and that potentially went outright, I think, is, is very much in play if the Kansas City offense falters at all because I think that they're going to have to go toe-for-toe toe with this Buffalo offense, which has, a, I would say, a massive advantage against the Chiefs defense. Um, and the Bills defense is probably a top top 10 unit, I can confidently say, and maybe a top five unit. Uh, so I, I think that this is this is a tough matchup for the Chiefs. I get that they're at home, and we see some weird things happen in Arrowhead. Um, but, uh, yeah, I probably like the Bills outright here, actually. Yeah, what do you think, Jeff? It's a really tough game. Um, it's a game, I hope I have a good Sunday, because it's a game like when you finally make a decision on, at least I will, because it's the Sunday nighter. Like, I want to have a clear vision of what I I want um, to do. I, it's a, all, as always with a huge Sunday nighter, I think it's important to you know at least keep an eye on how hard the public is going to be on a side. I want to bet Buffalo so bad, so bad. Uh, and But then anytime like I feel like I'm ready to do it, I go back to – and tell me if I'm like crazy to make this comparison. But that week three or four primetime game last year against the Ravens, and I, I got killed on that game. I sold myself as like, I don't know, so week three or four game for the for the Chiefs who just won the Super Bowl. And it's like everything for the Ravens, like everything. And that game was over six minutes in. Uh, but this Chiefs team feels different. It, it, it feels like everybody has caught up. Like a lot of the really good teams have caught up on an offensive level and they play much better defense. I didn't say they're there with the Chiefs offensively, but it just feels like the gap behind Mahomes to those next guys doesn't feel as huge as it felt like 12 months ago right now in the football landscape. Give me the bills, though. Give me the bills. They'll, they're going to take from the Staley book. Like They're not going to punt one time on fourth and two. They're not going to kick the field goals, even in the first quarter that Sirianni kicked last week. That they did last year in the AFC Championship game. They kicked the field goals early, and that really, I think that they they probably learned from that too. I grabbed three and a half uh, early last week because I thought that would disappear. And to your point, Jeff, I think that I'll be interested to see. Like, no one wants to be holding a ticket opposite of Mahomes. Um, so maybe it it holds it three, but I think anything at three or if it continues, if it goes back to Buffalo three and a half, I think that's a great play. And anytime you're betting something like that, you might as well sprinkle in some money line too, because uh, why not? You get a plus number, you probably get plus one forty, plus one fifty or so on Buffalo there. So I'm with you. And and fifty six and a half feels like a crap ton of points, but like who's punting? Like. <laughs> I'm obsessed with how the Bills have, despite the schedule, like how they responded since that Pittsburgh game. Like I get, we can break down like how bad the the opponents have been and that's fine. But I am so impressed with them and it seems like there's a laser focus and where I'm located here in Toronto, there's like a, a, a very keen attention on the Bills and we get a lot of their local radio and local TV so like you see a lot of it from the inside of the machine and there is like a focus there um that that I I really do believe in the group and their ability to at least for a week 5 game like you know try to put one be another one of these AFC teams to 
put a put a sword in the Chiefs right now. Yeah, they know that they are going to meet him again, and they want it to be at the Ralph. Um, and I think that they probably need to take care of business here if they do want that to happen. This would be a huge for also Buffalo and that own that number one seed. This game would be huge. It would mm-hmm. essentially be a three game lead on the Chiefs. Yeah, it's huge. And their schedule is a little bit easier than the Chiefs as well moving forward too, which is nice. I mean, obviously not having to mess with the the rest of the AFC West is uh, is pretty advantageous. No matter really what you think of Raiders or Broncos moving forward, they're they're better than uh, than you know Jets and Dolphins. That's for sure. So, yeah, I think the Bills are the side there for sure. Um, Jeff, you're the man. Who is winning in the Shriners? Before we let you go. Uh, before you let me go, I, I put my money on Hideki and Patrick Reed. Uh, those okay. were two of my bigger bets and uh, Will Zalatoris. So those are my three bets. I got a few more, uh, but those are my main bets between 25 and 40 to one Patrick Reed at 40 to one. I know this event isn't like big enough for him, but as a Patrick Reed fan, I'm just assuming he could take the Ryder cup snub and, and just, be amazing and i bet him at majors at 40 to 1 this is a goddamn shriner so that might be a loser but it's a loser that i'm excited to make he does seem like a guy that would be spiteful enough to want to get up for the, the Ryder cup snub for sure so yeah. i can i can get there uh, i like coke rack as a nice long shot too. yeah for sure vegas he won cj cup last year uh yeah absolutely should be a good one uh, is, tell is, me uh, can... is oh, lashley in the field or no Oh, get out of here with Nate Lashley. <laughs> he might be. I don't know. I wouldn't even have noticed. <laughs> right. That's the thing. So what happened uh, a couple – oh, gosh. I, I th- Was it Detroit? So what is the event that Lashley won like in 19? Yeah, Detroit. Like, so he wins Detroit 19. <laughs> and um, so it's, it's going to be Detroit in 2020. And um, we're buddies with Silva. He lives here in Chicago. He's listening to some Chicago radio station. They're talking about Nate Lashley – being a defending champ. And I think he probably hears 5% of the conversation and is convicted that Lashley is going to win this event again. So it was like, fire gets, you know, Connor gets some other guys to fire off on Nate Lashley and never heard of it. They didn't consult me at all. Their only friend that actually does some golf betting. Uh, and they have these big Lashley tickets. And of course he misses a putt on 18 on Friday to miss the cut. And they're all, they're all mad. Uh, thinking that he's a shoe in to go back to back in Detroit, so uh, uh, it was it was great. Mistakes were made. But Bryson won it, right? Then yeah, big yeah. time. So it wouldn't yeah, even yeah. have mattered if Lashley played great. Wouldn't have mattered. Wouldn't have mattered. So uh, tell everyone where they can find your stuff, buddy. Uh, yeah, hit me up um, at Mail Media Network and uh, Odds Checker US Weekly. That's sort of where uh, my golf cards are and uh, my football content. Awesome. Love it. Appreciate your time, man. I know you're busy. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us for a bit. Uh, So for Jeff and Connor, we'll be back on Friday with the Prop Show. And uh, thanks for hanging with us. Bye, everyone.